Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Dr. Karen Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Today's topic is not an easy one to discuss, but it's a subject I've wanted to address for quite a while on the podcast because I know my listeners care about these concerns and those who know about it are probably already involved and engaged and those who don't know the severity of this concern will want to know and will want to become involved. And what we're talking about is human trafficking, which I don't know a whole lot about. And many of us may not be aware of the human trafficking that's occurring right under our noses day in and day out. Some sobering statistics that I'm pulling from dosomething.org. Trafficking primarily involves exploitation, which comes in many forms, including forcing victims into prostitution, subjecting victims to slavery or involuntary servitude, and compelling victims to commit sex acts for the purpose of creating pornography. According to some estimates, approximately 80% of trafficking involves sexual exploitation and 19% involves labor exploitation. There are approximately 20 to 30 million slaves in the world today. And according to the U.S. State Department, 600,000 to 800,000 people are trafficked across international borders every year, of which 80% are female and half are children. The average age of a teenager entering the sex trade in the U.S. is 12 to 14 years old. Many victims are runaway girls who were sexually abused as children. And finally, human trafficking is the third largest international crime industry behind illegal drugs and arms trafficking. It reportedly generates a profit of $32 billion every year. Of that number, $15.5 billion is made in industrialized countries. And as we know, that includes the United States. So to help me not only understand the scope of this concern, but also to provide some hope regarding this concern, I've invited Amber Runyon, the creator of 11th Candle Company. She's a former hospice nurse who became aware of trafficking on an international trip and then realized the problem was a domestic one as well. Amber took charge. She took action and changed her entire life. And I'm excited to invite her on to not only raise awareness, but also help us figure out ways that we can take action to make a huge difference and maybe a bigger difference than we even realize in our world today. Hi, I'm Linda, and I listen to Dr. Karen Love and Life in Bedford, Kentucky. Amber, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a topic that is very difficult to talk about and one that I've wanted to cover because all of us have those concerns and those issues that really tug at our hearts. And this is one that in the hierarchy of concerns for the world today, which, yes, I care about the whales and animals, and I don't want people to use straws so that the turtles don't get them stuck in their noses. And so those those are other really important concerns. But when I think about the ones 
that are most horrifically troubling sex trafficking, it's probably the number one. One of the reasons I've been wanting to cover it on the program is because I think many of us do not understand that it is happening right under our noses every day. And I know that that's clearly one of the reasons you've established everything you're doing. And so I'm very, very grateful for your time and that you would come and share with my listeners just what you've learned and more importantly, maybe, is what you're able to do about it and how they can become part of stopping this just horrific culture that exists. So that's a lot to start with. But to catch our listeners up to speed, what was the onset of your interest and concern and passion for this really grave, tragic reality. Yeah, so I wasn't always a candle maker. Um, it's, not, it's not usually a profession you go into. Um, I was a, a hospice nurse and did a bunch of overseas uh, medical trips and landed in Ethiopia and fell in love with a little girl um, and just kept going back and seeing her over and over again. And one day um, I was over there and saw two little girls about five and seven. And I asked my translator, like, what's going on over there? They're blindfolded and kind of being led through this crowd. And he said, oh, they're being sold. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying to me, thinking that it was like a translation issue. And he was like, they're being sold for sex and they're blindfolded so they can't figure out where they're going. And I was like, what? And so I came back home and, and began to research that back here in you know, my city, Columbus, Ohio, and recognized that we're the fourth largest in, in the United States of America for human trafficking. Um, and so that if Mulu were to ever come back to the United States, like if she were ever move here, that she had the same likelihood of being trafficked in Ethiopia as she does in Columbus, Ohio. And I recognize that I don't want to live in a world where little girls and little boys can be bought and sold. To see it right in front of your face. And like I said, the sad thing is that as I've become a little bit more aware of this horrific situation, it is in front of our face. And it's like, like none of us are seeing it because we don't know what to look for, for it to be so blatant. I'm just sure you were just about ready to throw up and just so devastated thinking, oh, I guess it's just as bad at home, which I think we as Americans believe those people in Thailand and they have these brothels and then people fly over and they do horrible things with little girls and over there or in Africa, like you said, but it's here. Mm -hmm. And, and the startling fact that you learned was that in Columbus, Ohio, which I was born and raised in Cincinnati's to think that the heartland, you know, Midwest, where we think we're kind of squeaky clean, that that's actually one of the hubs for this stuff. I'm sure you were just overwhelmed and just blown away. Yeah. And I think that what I found so interesting is that Columbus, specifically Ohio, we're known for so many good things. But then to recognize that there's this undercurrent that's happening right in front of us that we don't see was baffling, to say the very least. Another reality that I've heard and I, w I wanted to ask you about is that there's all this kind of moving parts, a culture as well that accompanies this nastiness. At the Super Bowl, for example, there's going to be pop-up sex trafficking. You know, so whenever there's a big event, that there's mm -hmm. all these this faction of society that sets up all these opportunities for people to be do horrible things to children and women and men, I'm sure as well. Again, these are things that are so horrible to talk about, but we have to talk about them or else how will anyone know? Right. I mean, the, one of the reasons that, that this is so prevalent is because it's done in the darkness and the way that you bring about change is that you bring light into darkness. And so the way that we fix this, the way that we solve this is that we talk about it. We talk about it as if it's actually happening. We educate moms and dads on what it looks like and educate little girls and little boys about 
about what their worth is and that it's that it's not okay for this to be happening to them. You know, there's different ways to solve a social issue. Education has to be a strong pillar that you stand upon. And that's the whole reason I do podcasts is that this is about educating people about what this looks like for them to further investigate, for them to learn and, and figure out what that looks like. And so if somebody listening to your podcast hears about what human trafficking is, we talk about it, they hear bits and pieces, and then they find themselves in a situation where they're at risk, they're going to be a bit more alert because they've heard about it and they've learned about it. So that's how you go about fixing it. And, and it's that it's done in such darkness and you have to bring light to that. That's exactly why I wanted to have you on, hoping to just bring awareness. That's the first step. And then the next step is getting behind the movement and the momentum. And I know there are some great organizations out there. One that I came across, gosh, it's probably been 10 years ago now. And I wanted to ask you about it because it seemed to make a ton of sense. If I remember correctly, it was Ashton Kusher and Demi Moore when they were married the whole push was not so much about saving the victims, but more so let's decrease the demand because frankly, this is an industry and like any industry, it's based on the economic principle 101 of supply and demand. And, and so they were targeting, hey, men, be real men. And I'm going to say men because I think probably mm-hmm. most of the, the customers are men, but be real men and stop this, mm-hmm. this whatever twisted nonsense that happened to you. Of course, I'm a developmental psychologist. So I'm assuming most of these people had some twisted experiences in their own. Again, the customers were probably victimized themselves. And so please, please get some therapy, get some help so that this is not something that you desire to have. If we get rid of the demand, the supply won't have to be there. Think of it from that perspective. Are you aware of any other programs like that? Yeah. And I think to speak to that a little bit more, I, th- I think it's multi-leveled, right? Supply and demand is definitely a thing. Right. And, the, and that we have to look at how do we fix that supply and how do we fix that demand? But the real answer is why do we believe that women's bodies specifically are made for use? So the right. reason that this world is in such chaos is because we love things and we use people was never intended to be that way. And because we've flipped it, now we've dehumanized it because of porn and how that changes our minds and all of that. And so, yes, men that can buy sex definitely have some deep-seated issues. But honestly, I think that it's not even as deep as we believe it is, as much as we've devalued human life to the point that we feel like it's not an actual human life. So therefore, when he's having sex with a 15-year-old, he doesn't actually view her as a 15-year-old little girl. Right. And so that is a whole other spectrum of it. But yes, working with men to reduce the demand and teaching them, right, we have to start with our little boys and our little girls. Right. That's where this change happens at teaching little girls that they're that they are strong before they're pretty, teaching little girls that their bodies are not commodities and teaching young men that that women's bodies are not commodities. Right. If we walk through the mall, what does the advertisement in the wall tell little girls? your bust is bigger and your waist is smaller. You are more consumable. That will be what makes you wanted. Right. When we see a little girl dressed up for Easter Sunday, what is the first thing that we say to her? You're so cute. So from the time that she was we little, we built up around her that her body is something that is to be used and to be consumed. And we teach our little boys, if we walk through the mall as a man, what does all the advertisement tell us? That she is for our consumption. And what do we tell our little boys when we see them on Easter Sunday? You're so strong. So we've created an oppressor and we've created an oppressee. Right. The men overall, and I'm not a raging feminist. I don't wear a pussy hat. Right. I just believe this is to be <laughs> truth. But men are the oppressors and women are the oppressees because we've created that from a societal standpoint. You make so many profound points in that last statement. I'm just sitting here digesting them all. It's multifaceted. 
as a developmental psychologist, the gender development issues that you speak to mm-hmm. are very rampant and they're legitimate and they make a huge impact. No question. I'm thinking of even with my nieces, I remember when they were born, I remember thinking, I don't want to be that aunt that's always giving them reinforcement. You're so pretty. I, I remember actively trying to not have that knee-jerk reaction because it is so embedded into our own development. We think this is the praise that is appropriate for this gender and this is the praise that's appropriate for this other gender. And we don't understand how that then becomes how we view ourselves. And like you said, it was so very pithy, also profound, but that we love things and use people. And really that's at the crux of everything, isn't it? Right. Because if you use something out of the, out of the context in which it was designed, it doesn't work. So for example, if if I try to turn my car on with my cell phone, that's not going to work because my cell phone was created to text. I know some people think it's created to call, but that's like not actual truth. It's created (laughs) to text. I hate phone calls. Um, And so therefore it doesn't turn on my car. So I'm using out of the context in which it was created. So it doesn't work. It doesn't function. And so if we do that with things, if things are created to be used and we now love them and idolize them, then they are serving us in a different way. People, if people were created to be loved and not to be used. And so if we begin to use them and not love them, then they don't function in which the way they were created. Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. I'd love to connect with you on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. Karen. D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. Here I share my thoughts on love and life through original quotes and images. I'd love to have you join the conversation. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. You can find me live tweeting my favorite shows, This Is Us, Will and Grace, and My Guilty Pleasure. All shows Bachelor Nation. On Facebook, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. There you can read my blog, see where I'm speaking, and find links to others' podcasts when I'm a guest on their show. And getting back to the demand. So I was just looking at the Polaris Project website. The concern is that the numbers are so astronomical that many more people are involved in this. That the average person probably has some some involvement in one way, shape or form, even if they're buying products and not realizing that they're buying products that have been produced by people who are in trafficking. But just one number here, 40.3 million victims of human trafficking globally. 25% of these are kids, 75% are women and girls, 81% of them are trapped in forced labor. It's a $150 billion industry. I think it's so horrid for the average person. We can't even fathom objectifying someone to that point. Well, it starts with, I'm going to watch a little bit of porn. And then you become addicted to porn. And then porn isn't enough. So then you watch really like off the wall, crazy porn. And then that porn's not enough. And so the next step would be to actually have that in person. Porn is a drug. It physically, I mean, you can speak to this way more intelligently than I can, but it physically changes the way that your brain operates. And so you, right. So you start with weed and then weed isn't enough. So you go to pills and then pills is enough. And then you go to heroin. It's the same thing. It's, it's a drug that changes the way that we think. And when it alters your mind to the point that you can objectify a five-year-old, it's because it's as if it's a drug. I think that's really helpful information. I'm not an uh, addiction specialist by any stretch, but of course I know a little bit about neurotransmitters and the way that they operate in the in the brain. And you're you're absolutely right. A lot of people don't want to go there. They don't want to. They want to say, "Hey, porn's fine. It's no big deal." But if anything serves as a gateway, then we do need to be careful. 
And we do need to have conversations about it, especially in this day and age where getting back to cell phones, I mean, I'm uh, I'm absolutely appalled by the types of images that little boys in our day, they would have to sneak somewhere, find some nasty magazine and view images, which that's what little boys do. I understand that. But now because it's so accessible, a little boy could just look at it any time of day on his phone. So my concern is that this objectification process is much easier to come by and can start much earlier. That's why there's been a rise in human trafficking, right? The same with drugs. Drugs are more accessible, right? Think about before drugs could only be found in like the inner cities. Now more drug deals happen in the suburban areas than they do anyplace else, right? And so I think that it is accessibility, right? The average age that a little boy looks at porn is six. Most boys are addicted by 11. Oh, which again, because I talk a lot about dating, relationships, marriage, then we look at I'm not a sex expert either, but when you look at some of the troubles that people are having, cultivating true intimacy, emotional and physical intimacy, if you think that a little boy has been looking at absolutely abnormal expectations for what sex is and what it should be since he was six, (laughs) and then he gets married at 28 and wonders why there's no swinging from the chandeliers. And I mean, you can see how just the trickle down effect, this concern is really goes into so many different directions and impacts people, like you said, way even above and beyond the trafficking industry itself. I'm Brie Whitty from Columbus, Ohio, and I enjoy listening to Dr. Karen Love and Life. I love the advice she gives and the encouragement. Every week, I look forward to a new Love and Life hack and her message of making it happen. Amber, let's get to the candles because I want to get to the happy place. You want to get to the hope. You're like, this is so depressing. And this is where most people land is that, and why we don't solve problems. This is why we don't solve social problems because you and I could sit, we've only talked about a few different factors of this issue. There are multitude more factors that we could discuss. And so by the time that you start unpacking this for people, people are tapped out because they're like, there's no way that we can solve this problem. But the truth is that it's really easy to actually create true, sustainable social change. We just have to stop allowing ourselves to be so overwhelmed by the problem and select different pieces within that problem to create solutions so that the problem of, of in and of itself can be solved. And that's exactly where I want to go because you're right. I am that type of person who can, and many of us are, we start looking at the depth and we go, oh, I just have to turn away from this your mission and your brand and making candles, you're asking people to turn toward, but with hope. Certainly. And so when looking at this problem, looking at human trafficking from a broad spectrum, how do we go from raped to redeemed? How do we solve this problem? There are so many issues, right? There's housing, there's there's drug addiction, there's all these different things. But when I really begin to sit down and, and listen to the people that we were trying to serve and, and have conversations with them and learn about it, I understood that people need three things to thrive in life, safe place, safe people and purpose. And as a society, we always forget that purpose piece. And so I knew that if we were going to try to transform this, that the way that we went about doing that was providing a purpose. And on top of that, the way that we go about solving this problem is by working on educating those that have not been affected and by helping those that have been affected. And so if we can educate through a product, if we can educate through a story and we can employ and empower and solve this problem through employment, 
then that was a good viable way to help this problem. Now, do I provide housing and transportation and drug addiction? No, we provide trauma therapy and we, we, we work on having a trauma-informed environment, but we don't provide all those other things. And so it's really just finding that one little niche, that one little lane and staying in that lane and creating that true social change, right? Will 11th Candle Company Amber Running end human trafficking? Absolutely not. Will we provide education to hundreds of thousands, if not possibly millions of people? Absolutely. Will that potentially save little boys and little girls that I'll never know or meet? Yes. And so I think that people just get so wrapped up in that it has to be this monumental change. You have to go out and like essentially just change the whole face of the world. No. You have to be really intentional with those in your life and create small changes. And if we all do that, then collectively we create this whirlwind of actual real change. That is so inspiring and so true. And I love that you focus on purpose because when I think about the victims I think about the fact that they have been told that they have one purpose in this life and that's that their body is a a tool for someone else's pleasure. Mm -hmm. That objectification would have sunk so deep into some of them. There's so much research about self-esteem, of course, in the developmental psych literature. And the research shows that the only way to, you know, parents want to give, I want my kid to have a high self-esteem and they try to lavish praise on kids and so forth. But the only way to cultivate our self-esteem is to set a goal and reach it. And so to your point, giving these women and, and, and I'm sure young boys as well, in some cases, the opportunity to see that they can derive self-esteem, they can build their own self-esteem by saying, I, my goal is to, to do this job and to do it well. And then to, to be able to sit back and, and, and say, I did that. I made that. That's something that I did. And, and it's not something you can just give, like I said, to someone, you're so great. This is great for you. La la la, that doesn't work. But giving the opportunity for someone to build their own self-esteem is so profound. And I think that that was part of the reason why we created the product that we created was that these women have lived in a service sort of industry. So to have them, you know, frying chicken or cleaning somebody's house or doing whatever um, seemed very demeaning. Not that those jobs in and of themselves are demeaning. They're not. You can find purpose in all those things. But I knew I wanted to, to be able to create something that they created with their hands and they could see an end tangible product. What's even more beautiful than that is that they recognize that people are choosing to put them in their homes. Right. And so something that they've created is going to be shipped all over the United States of America and land in somebody's home that they're never going to meet. And what I love also is the idea, and this goes broader than just your brand, but I love the idea of us supporting small businesses with mission and purpose. You know, if I'm going to buy a candle, I can go to the big box and I can buy a candle or I can buy a candle because I'm going to buy them anyway, that the purchase in and of itself has so much more impact on areas of concern. You can't change the entire world, but you're doing a lot. I can't change the entire world, but I'm doing what I can. But I can also throw money at the problem, so to speak, by making intentional purchases that sustain and support concerns and causes that I'm passionate about. Correct. And that's something that as a company we teach is really to harvest your purchasing power. So like, for example, if every one of your listeners just bought their gifts from us this holiday season, that's hours of employment for these women. 
you're going to buy a gift anyway. So we can't live a, a slaveless life, right? So there's a website called slaveryfootprint. It's either .net or .com. And you can put in like what you're wearing and what's in your house. And it will tell you how many people you've enslaved. Um, it's fascinating from the clothes that we wear to the shoes that we wear to, because that's labor trafficking. And, and so it's impossible to live a slave-free life at this point. Now, do we, should we strive to be a world where that's truth? Absolutely. So what I do is in an area of my life is gifts and like accessories. So any accessory that I wear, which is not many, cause I'm a pretty plain Jane, um, <laughs> Or any gifts that I give, I try to buy from companies that are similar to ours because I already have to do it anyways. Um, and I know that I can provide sustainable um, employment for for women or whatever that is, um, whether it's somebody that's been, you know, that has Down syndrome and I, I choose to go to a certain cafe or different things like that, that we can start to become more conscious people and actually harness our purchasing power for good. That's so powerful because like you say you're going to be buying those christmas gifts anyway so why not combine it's like a twofer you know I, I need to get a gift for my aunt and i can also put some money towards something that i care so much for and want to support right so i love that and there's a lot of those companies you know that will try to support fair trade and try to provide jobs for people in third world countries. So do you have a list of those just while I've got you? Is there a list that you know are really well? Yeah, unfortunately I don't. Um, some of my like personal favorites is like Noonday Collection, mm -hmm. um, Trades of Hope. I've heard of Noonday for sure. I think I've purchased Yeah, it. I love Noonday. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it's just kind of researching where, where you buy your things from. And here's the deal. They do cost a bit more money, but they cost a bit more money because we're not enslaving people and we're actually creating change, right? And so I think for, for me personally, like I would, I'll spend an extra 10 bucks to be able to buy a necklace that, you know, I could go to Target and buy, but I could buy one through Noonday um, and to be able to create this good social change. No, and that's just infinitely important. For many of us now, I know if you're in a financial situation where $10 is going to make or break you that month, and I know that there are people in that situation, but if it's not, why wouldn't we spend the extra money? We take back the power in a sense. We go, no, you know what? I, I do have a little power. I have a little say here based on what I choose to spend my money on. And I will continue to reward those companies that are doing the right thing and, and divert my funds from those, those companies that are enslaving and are unconcerned with doing anything that's more than just cranking out an item for purchase. And here's the thing, for people that don't have those resources, you can still do things. So for example, you still have a whole host of people that are in your social network, right? So instead of sharing a political post or a cat post, although I'm very much for posting pictures of cute cats and dogs, <laughs> find companies and be an advocate for them. Share their post. I mean, that is huge. That That's a huge thing that people can do because inevitably if you share and then this person sees it and then somebody's going to purchase one of our candles, so people think that they have to do these huge things to create change in the world. Really, we just have to be incredibly intentional with the small things that we do. I love it. Right? So every time something comes up, if you don't have the extra 10 bucks, take the extra 10 minutes and post something up. Share our mission video. Not just ours. Other people are doing amazing things too. Right? And so we don't have to have all the time and all the resources and all of the talent, all of these things to change the world. We are the only thing that will change the world. You are so inspiring. Do you do motivational speaking? I am like over here getting goosebumps. I'm not kidding you. I'm just, if we are compassionate, which I think most people are, we are sensitive, then some of these concerns can just feel very heavy. 
But you, I love it because you're like, yes, it's heavy, but we are not going to stay in that place. We are going to get to the place of belief and hope and and faith and inspirations. I'm inspired. Everything you say, using social media for good, if you don't have the 10 bucks, take the 10 minutes because you're going to be on that, that social media platform anyway. How about sharing something that's really profoundly impactful? Great. And, and I think that that's the part that people miss, right? So human trafficking feels really dark, right? We can agree upon that. The world, our world right now feels really dark, but do you know why our world feels really dark is because we are the antidote to darkness. Where light enters, darkness has to flee. It doesn't have an option, but the reason that we've allowed it become so dark is because we've dimmed our lights. And so if our world feels dark and we're the antidote to darkness and we are the answer, we are the light so beautifully put that it would make sense to light your candle stand still teach people to come to yours to give them a source of light and then guess what happens that really dark thing doesn't feel so scary anymore that really dark world that we live in we actually can see hope and we can actually see change because there's light right so there is a light that shines in darkness and the darkness cannot will not shall not overcome it but what we have to recognize is that we are the answer i'm just gonna let that be it (laughs) because i have nothing more to say that i could say any better than what you just said amber please let my listeners know how they can get inspired how they can be a light in the darkness metaphorically and literally speaking by purchasing candles and supporting your mission and doing what they can, their small or large part, either via social media or via purchasing power to make a difference in this grave concern. Yeah, so a couple of easy ways for our company. Um, One, you can follow us on social media and share our information. Two, become educated. Learn about what's happening in your community and just take that extra 15 minutes while you're scrolling through social media and choose to become educated. Third is simply buying candles, 11thcandleco.com. We'll give you guys a promo code for your listeners so that they get a percentage off just for taking the time to listen to our conversation. And last but not least, if you're interested in donating, we also have a nonprofit that helps with making all of this work. And you can find that gift page on our website as well. That is the answer, that we are the antidote to darkness and our world doesn't have to feel dark and dark issues like this don't have to exist. Thank you so much, Amber. I didn't know about your nonprofit, but uh, I usually find a, a charity I want to contribute book sales to. So for the next couple of months, I'd like to donate my book sales uh, profits to your company. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And to answer the motivational speaker thing, uh, I do speak a lot and I'm giving a TED talk in a few weeks. <gasps> oh my gosh. I can't wait to find out about it. And I will definitely share it across all my social media channels. Uh, Amber, thank you again so much for coming on the program. It has been a true pleasure and it has been an inspiration to speak with you. Yeah. Thanks so much for the work you're doing as well. The love and life hack for this week is shine your light. I'm so inspired by Amber and what she's doing to create jobs and to provide meaning and purpose and make a huge difference in a dark, dark domain. But we can make a difference too. Amber put it so beautifully. If you have 10 minutes or $10, either way, spread the word, shine your light, make an intentional purchase or both. And we'll all find ways to shine our light. And on that note, please check out 11thcandleco.com to learn more about Amber's mission and how she's making a huge difference and what you can do. You can check out one of her videos and share that on social media. You can purchase some candles or you could give to her foundation. 
Legacy. It's a nonprofit working globally to redeem, restore, empower, and equip those vulnerable to human trafficking, abuse, exploitation, and addiction. We'll be donating proceeds from my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right, to Legacy. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Thanks so much for joining me. And until next time, make it a great week. Dr. Karen Love and Life is produced by Chip Gregory, senior producer Michelle Musso, and host and executive producer Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. 